Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is ours and the world's one and only Lord and Savior. Amen. You know, our gospel lesson today gives us some great insight into the nature of Christ, into the nature of Jesus. You know, we often uh, maybe seem to emphasize one aspect of, of his very character or his nature more than another at times. Like, you know, early on in the church year, we focus upon, you know, that Jesus uh, came as that divine Son of God, incarnate, born of the Virgin Mary, through the Spirit of God. You know, we're journeying right now through the Gospel of Luke, and in doing so, we are seeing a uh, a number of miracles of Jesus demonstrating, manifesting that indeed he is God in the flesh, that he is here with those miracles and all that he is doing revealing that indeed God is present there in him. So we have that divine nature that's coming out. But maybe it's where I am, maybe it's just kind of a, a need that I'm being drawn to right now, but one of the things that seems to be captivating my heart in this Lenten season, and particularly in the readings that we are going through in the book of Luke, is that of the human nature of Jesus. It shows up in a number of ways, from you know, Jesus doing what you and I do, eating, sleeping, spending time with friends, Laughter, talking, but today there is an aspect that seemed maybe this week to capture my heart even more so, and that is the compassion of Jesus. Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem. The word that is used there actually is a word that in uh, the Hebrew, or, or excuse me, the, the Greek there, but the Aramaic would have revealed that he was sobbing. And it's not the only time that this aspect, this nature of Jesus, was revealed. Anybody know the shortest verse in the Bible? He wept. His dear friend Lazarus, word came to him that he had died, and Jesus wept. And we have uh, elsewhere in uh, Luke where, you know, he comes upon the city of Jerusalem as he's preparing to go and, and literally be offered as that sacrifice for the sins of the world, and it says as he looked over the city, he wept. And again, the same word is used there that, you know, reveals that this was more than just like, oh man, this just makes me so sad. Oh, this captivated his whole being and his heart, and he wept over the city of Jerusalem, the people. Even uh, the prophet Isaiah said that he was a man of sorrows. Now, you know, if you read that kind of on its own, you're like, wait a minute, isn't God sending, you know, to us a king? 
you know, a strong, mighty Savior. What's he, be, what's he doing being so emotional? This is no sentimental emotion. This is, you know, not just, you know, a little bit of, you know, grief per se over something that saddens him. This gets to the very core and nature of our God who loves without ceasing. It is what drives him. It is what drives him to, you know, feed the hungry and the thousands as he did. It's what drives him to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to comfort the grieving. It's the fact is, he has sorrow over, he grieves over the condition of his people. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Today, he takes it a little bit further for us. We have this uh, recording of Jesus, again, headed towards, eyes set towards the uh, cross, toward Jerusalem. And the Pharisees, did you notice they actually did something kind of good here? We normally read and, and speak of them in all these negative ways. The Pharisees were basically like lay ministers. They were people who had set out to be obedient to the laws and the, uh, the ordinances of God. They took serious trying to incorporate that and make that part of their lives. Now, yes, indeed, sometimes they took it too far and they became totally about the law. But today, they come to Jesus and they say, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. By the way, what I see happening there is people, even in our day, are not always right away, matter of fact, most times right away, are not receptive to the message of God's law and gospel of what he is offering. But allow the Holy Spirit to have an opportunity to work on them for a period of time, and you watch what begins to happen as those hardened hearts are softened. And as the Spirit of God has an opportunity to penetrate and to reach people where they are, and I would suggest to some extent, at least for some of these Pharisees, that's what's happening here. They're beginning to get it. And they don't want to see what's happening end. But Jesus' response is kind of a, um, an interesting one when he says, Go tell that fox. By the way, he's not a compliment, like he's good looking. This is more like you, that varmint, <laughs> that critter. Go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. Here's what I want us to take from that today, and that is this. Nothing. Nothing will stop the Lord and what he has come to accomplish and to do. He has his eyes set on Jerusalem. He has his eyes set on the cross. He knows what he has come for. And by the way, every day when he looked out over the people, 
whether in a small setting of people that he was with, whether he looked out over the city of Jerusalem as a whole or some other town or area, and he saw the condition of the people. He saw their suffering. He saw their struggling. He saw their pain. He saw their sorrow. He saw the hardships of their lives. He saw the hate, the brutality. And he had compassion. See, Jesus didn't just say, you know what, this is too much. Look what they've done to themselves. I'm out of here. No. It drove him all the more. By the way, those of us who are parents or we have been blessed to maybe be a godparent and, you know, to try to, you know, guide and and love those that God's put in our lives. You know, there are times that you love them and it just brings great joy, great happiness to your heart, but you know you remember those times when they just broke your heart. When they went another way. And not only did you see them suffer the consequences, but maybe others in the context of what they had done along with you yourself. But I would easily say that not one of us stopped loving those children or those individuals that God has given us. Likewise, the Lord looks upon me and He looks upon you and He sees what we've done and He sees what we've failed to do and He sees you know, our, our selfishness and our, our greed and our pride and whatever else that gets in the way of us and Him. And He has sorrow. He has grief over. But again, I said that this is far more than some sentimental type, you know, compassion or, or grief over our circumstances. No, my friends, um, this indeed is a much deeper compassion and concern. It's an eternal one. Titus 3 says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. So, Herod wants to kill him. The truth is, the Pharisees knew that there was good reason for Jesus and his disciples to, you know, have fear, be afraid. Because look at what Herod had done to Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. He beheaded him. He killed him. Jesus' eyes and his heart are set on more than just compassion for the moment, or even for this life. But it is for eternity. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
sometimes that seems in the Christian church and our culture in America today, we are far too focused upon our happiness, our joy, our contentment, our blessings here and now, but that's secondary at best in the mind of the Lord when you read through the scriptures as a whole. His concern, his compassion, his desire is focused on our eternal restoration of being with him. It's been observed that if you really want to know somebody's values, find out what it is that they cry over. What somebody loves, what's important to them, their hardest struggles, their deepest regrets, what it is that they yearn most for in this life, all of this and more is revealed in the shedding of tears. Jesus has sorrow over us. Jesus grieves over us. Our sin, the effects of sin, the effects of our brokenness here and now. It is expressed in our weeping. Maybe sometimes that's why, in a sense, in church, within the body of Christ, that this is the place where some do just that. Because it reveals what is most important and where their values are. Jesus wept. Listen further. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Now, in the context of where we are, still kind of best in the middle of Jesus' ministry, you know, you could think, well, he's reminding them, listen, nothing's going to stop me. I've got more work to do. I've got more places to go. I've got more people to see. I've got more healings and miracles to do. Don't miss that statement. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. He is pointing the Pharisees and his disciples and you and me toward what is to come, that on the third day he will reach his goal. He will be raised from the dead. He will conquer our grief. He will conquer our brokenness. He will deal with our sin. And we there will receive forgiveness and restoration. He will accomplish his goal. And so he presses on, ignoring the threats, ignoring the possible cause for fear, because he has sorrow over us. And our God, in that, he takes action. You know, some cities will be forever linked to events that happened in those cities. New York City, 9-11. New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina and the resulting flooding. Boston, 
the Boston Tea Party or, or maybe you're thinking, you know, just of a few years ago on the marathon, the bombings. Um, Normandy and D-Day will always be linked. Berlin, the Berlin Wall. Well, Jesus said that Jerusalem will always be associated with the killing of the prophets. But I would like to suggest that for us, this place represents Christ's sorrow his grief over our condition, our need, and his provision in going to the cross to save us. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He grieves over, he has sorrow over, but it doesn't just end there with an emotion. It ends with an action, and on the third day, he will reach his goal. He has saved us. May we rejoice. Amen.